Chapter Thirteen of the Brownies and Prince Florimel by Palmer Cox. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jude Summers. Neptune stills the waves. Up and down like corks bobbed the brownies on the angry waves when their raft was so suddenly demolished by the storm. The blackness of the night was so intense that even with their supernatural vision they could not see each other save in those vivid streaks of lightning that came often and for a brief moment made all around as bright as day. The wind and waves bore them farther and farther apart from each other, so that it was every one for himself, which was against all principle in a band that delighted in mutual help. But in this case they could not give it. The water got in their noses and mouths, causing them to gasp, choke, and splutter, while their ears rang and their eyes were nearly blinded. Desperately, they clung to the splintered pieces of debris, to the doghouse that spun over and over, to the gate that turned upside down, or straddled logs that kept rolling with brownies first up, then under, like teetotums. And others, not so fortunate, with strength fast leaving them, still swam the waters, seeking and groping in vain for some object to sustain them. Then, right in the midst of all their terrible danger, when hope was fast departing from all hearts, a wonderful thing happened. There came a sudden radiance that was not the lightning's flash, illuminating old Father Neptune and a bevy of lovely-faced dryads in a golden chariot that furiously galloping seahorses drew across the waves. In a brief space no longer than a second, the god of the sea and his beauteous attendants passed on out of sight but almost with their disappearance the lightning and thunder ceased as did the rain the wind died down the stars once more shone out and the water grew as smooth as glass when buffeted no longer by boisterous winds and waves the chance the brownies had to save themselves increased immeasurably they could now see and hear each other and when someone swimming in the water called for help, there were those on debris who reached over and pulled their exhausted comrade on board. They shouted at each other in the dark, and, by using their feet as paddles, contrived at last to bring whatever they floated on close together. Then King Stanislaus, who with Prince Florimel was a straddle of a log, with much anxiety began to take an inventory of the band. To his infinite relief, no one was missing but the dude. But this misfortune in itself was enough to dampen their spirits, for the companion who had been carried off by the gigantic bird was very much beloved. "'Aye, aye,' growled the sailor, cocking his weather-eye out through the slats of the hen-coop. "'We're all here, even to Euphrosyne's dove.' Thus they went on without further mishap a queer-looking flotilla, keeping in as close proximity to each other as they could, using both hands and feet for paddles, and adopting many ingenious devices to complete the voyage so disastrously begun. And a day dawned, then another, but at nightfall of the second they glimpsed far off a shoreline with a single towering mountain which they knew to be Dragonfell's enchanted country. 
They were neither hungry nor thirsty, for brownies, if need be, can go without food or water a long time. Much heartened by what they beheld, they redoubled their efforts to reach the shore, which grew plainer and plainer, until finally they could distinguish an immense glittering structure that looked more like a prison than a palace, built as it was in the gloomy shadow of the mountain. Though it gleamed and flashed and shone in a thousand and one different places, where its myriad jewels caught the light, it seemed a cheerless, inhospitable place, and they were depressed by the sight of it. The galleon that Dragonfell had used to convey his captives to his country was lying at anchor well in toward the shore, with no one evidently on board. But not feeling sure of this, the brownies made a wide detour, choosing for a landing a sheltered cove that would screen them from observing eyes. As they drew closer to the land, some strange companions had they, queer creatures who had obtruded themselves upon the brownies during the storm, and forced their society upon unwilling hosts. A motley gathering from air, sea, and undersea, that occupied choice places upon the flotsam and jetsam to which the little fellows so precariously clung with amazing vim. They were comical-looking, long-legged, long-billed cranes and herons, and squat-flappered, web-footed penguins. The walrus and seal were there, as well as formidable members of the finny tribe, some of which had swords so sharp that the discreet brownies kept a most respectful distance from them. Crustaceans, too, were represented, with here a lobster slyly nipping a sprite's toe with his claws, and there a turtle tweaking another's cap. But when the brownies reached shoal water, and some began to wade toward shore, these false whilom friends deserted them, and dived into the deep or flew off in the air. Then, when they were safe at last on land, they stretched their weary, stiff, cramped legs and arms, or raced about the sand to get the sluggish blood once more pulsing through their veins. King Stanislaus stood apart from all the rest, and watched their joyous antics with an expression of deep thought on his august countenance. It was plain to see that he was greatly troubled in his mind. Now that they had succeeded in reaching Dragonfell's country, what steps should be taken in the effort to recover Queen Titania and her companions? It was not to be conceived that the wicked enchanter would give them up without a bitter struggle. The problem confronting the brownie band was one that required the most careful consideration. A single false step might ruin all. While the monarch pondered over what was best to be done, his eye abstractly roved to the brownies who now had gathered in a circle on the beach, and who were scanning with much interest something in the sky. The policeman involuntarily had pointed his club toward it, and the sailor was trying to get a better view through his spyglass. The royal eye at once turned upward in the direction in which all the others were gazing, and like everyone else was held spellbound with surprise. Far overhead there was an immense bird slowly dropping with stationary wings outspread down toward them. It stood out clearly outlined in silhouette against the dark night sky. 
but it was not this bird remarkable in itself that created such intense excitement on the part of all its great sharp talons held in a firm grip an object that they recognized at once with the result that delight and consternation were mingled on their faces grasped firmly by the coat-tails with face downward and legs and arms spread out like a maltese cross was the immaculate brownie dude and he still was clutching in his right hand the cane that was his most treasured possession outside of his monocle the brownies watched this most extraordinary spectacle as though they were fascinated and their pop-eyes almost popped out of their heads lower and lower settled the great bird and the anxious watchers now realized that its offices toward the dude in time of danger had been of a most heroic nature with great haste some secured a net which they held outspread when the bird was still some distance above it cocked its eye as though it were making some nice calculation and suddenly let go of its burden the dude came hurtling through the air landing safely in the net while the bird sailed off and was soon gone from sight as soon as the dude got on his feet he started to dust off his clothes with a tiny whisk broom i shouldn't care to go up in an aeroplane he said he looked infinitely relieved when one of the overjoyed brownies who crowded around in congratulations handed him his opera hat box it may here be mentioned that the fairies who had been left behind made a desperate attempt to follow their queen and the brownies across the sea but after great difficulties and dangers they were glad to get back to their own shore in safety but though florimel like all the rest was delighted beyond measure that the dude had been so miraculously restored to them so they were now once more complete he could not restrain his tortured feelings when he thought of queen titania and he was in a fever of impatience to rush at once to her rescue we only waste time here while titania may be in danger he said with a strong trace of irritation in his tone is not that dragonfell's palace over yonder king stanislaus gazed at the highly expensive but forbidding-looking edifice toward which florimel pointed maybe so was his guarded response then let us storm it and force him to surrender the queen and her companions yes yes cried all the brownies but king stanislaus shook his head in a very decided manner my son you're too impulsive he said kindly but reprovingly judging from what you've told me for i've never seen any of them each of these fellows must stand full six times as high as one of us and there may be six times as many besides we must exercise caution have you anything to propose nothing just now said king stanislaus we must reconnoitre a bit and get the lay of the land before considering any plan whatever an open attack would be entirely out of the question they'd have the advantage of us in size and maybe numbers no no my boy we must use brownie cunning reluctantly florimel was obliged to admit the force of the shrewd old monarch's reasoning 
concerned as he was in mind to rescue titania as soon as he could he had no desire by any rash act to imperil or even worse still destroy the entire band king stanislaus motioned to the brownies who drew closer to give respectful heed to what he might have to say to them i want each of you to go out and see what you can learn he instructed but as you value your life and the lives of your fellows you must not allow yourselves to be seen or heard by anyone when a half hour has elapsed we will assemble here following his majesty's directions the willing band immediately dispersed florimel choosing a way to take a loan as did each other and so careful were they all that no one in the neighborhood would have suspected they were near when the half-hour was up king stanislaus was back on the same spot and the brownies began to pop up in the dark around him from all sides well his majesty asked have you found out anything then one after another was obliged to confess that he had not and while he was questioning them in turn he ascertained that neither florimel nor the policeman had returned the fact that both were missing worried him not a little but even while he was wondering what had kept them he beheld the policeman returning with incredible speed leaping and bounding with his long tapering feet over the sand your majesty he panted as he came up out of breath i have just made a remarkable discovery what is it officer asked king stanislaus anxiously if i told you said the policeman i'm afraid you wouldn't believe me i want you all to come and see it for yourselves end of chapter thirteen <laughs>